The Urban Broadcast Collective brings together the best podcasts on cities and urban life. Subscribe to us on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Joined by Jason Byrne from the uh, School of Environment at Griffith University, where he's an associate professor for Urban Squeeze this year, this week, talk this year. Well, it seems like a while since I've seen you for weather-related reasons. It does, seem ironically, like a while, Matt. Jason yep. Byrne. Uh, you were due to come in and have this very conversation, but the rain started tumbling, and we experienced what we experienced here and about uh, northern rivers affected particularly badly north of here particularly badly and well enough damage locally to to concern people talking about natural hazards yeah. here in southeast queensland on the gold coast specifically and you know this might feel a little opportunistic but we we were all set to talk about this topic and then uh we got dusted by the tail end of oh, the tail end the debbie. sting in the tail of of debbie the sting still being experienced, of course, people relocating or upping stumps and departing. A car and a drive producer was talking of her time over Bluesfest. She stayed in Lismore and witnessed at first hand the damage that has been wreaked. We, we work in news cycles that, you know, stories come in, stories go, but the, the story remains very real for a lot of people struggling as a result of weather-related damage to their lives. People still hurting, Matt, in a big yeah. businesses that probably won't make it out that are likely to go bankrupt. People who couldn't afford $30,000 a year flood insurance and, you know, their homes and businesses have been irreparably damaged. People cleaning mud off the walls, still trying to go through all the paperwork and bureaucracy. Insurance-related matters, friends of my own experiencing that. I guess it kind of begs the question in some ways, why do we build in these vulnerable spots in the first place, right? Yeah, it sort of does... Well, I I, I suppose it, it... it begs the question, what do we learn? It's not like we've been immune to weather events here on the Gold Coast. Um, even in recent times, we've experienced a couple of significant rainfall incidences. One was Debbie. We've had a, a cyclone incident in the past. Um, there's been other moments where it seems like it's never, ever going to rain again. Other times where you wonder whether, whether it will rain again. I mean... It's Australia. We're affected by weather. Um, but are we learning from our exposure to it, I guess, is, is possibly... Can we start at that point? Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. So you're right, it is the Dorothy McKellar poem. It's about some flooding rains. And um, the Gold Coast's website says that uh, since 1925, we've had 45 floods alone. There right? you go. So there's yeah. been a lot of this stuff in the past. What... What can we do to become a bit more resilient, to sort of learn from this? Lockyer Valley uh, gave us an example where in some parts of Lockyer Valley they decided to relocate the the settlements there away from the flood-prone land, recognising that this was going to keep happening in the future. That might work with a small settlement, but when you think about Lismore, could we relocate people away from the heart of Lismore, like move that entire CBD or 
Should we be beginning to retreat from the coastline and the Gold Coast? Then it starts to get hard. These are the tricky questions. Well, we, we know the coast is built on a canal system. Um, there's water to one side, water to the other side. Uh, you talk about Lismore, it's in a basin, Mawillambar right. in a basin. Um, they're, uh, well, all now well-entrenched urban environments that you can't just up and move. No. I mean, when you think about just moving your own house, right, it's a major logistical problem is think oh it's such a hassle oh, yeah people don't want to move very often it's a very stressful event so that let alone moving a city yeah. right uh so we're we're quite aware of what the hazards are on the gold coast uh, um city council has a natural hazards mapping branch we've mapped all of the likely areas prone to flooding in a one in 100 year flood um, and you can consult those maps. They exist as an overlay above the town planning scheme. Mm. You can look up your property and see if you're likely in that flood area. Now, they're not. They're, it's a model, right? So it's not indexed to the specific centimetre on your property, but it will give you a pretty good idea of whether you're flood affected or not. Some options that might exist around that um, is perhaps adapting your building. I mean, look at a lot of the Queensland buildings. The ground floor was not necessarily set up for people to have bedrooms in in the first place. There were lots of things like laundries and carports and other utilities on the ground floor and people living above. So maybe we can have... something to do with air circulation Some of it was air circulation with the old Queenslander design. So maybe we can have a degree of impact. Every once in a while we cop a hit and we replace the washing machine and dishwasher and move on. Mm. Um, We could... There's suggestions in Queensland that we might begin elevating houses, so building them up above future flood levels, putting them on stilts. Um, you see as, a matter of, as a matter of course. As a matter of course. Well, we Who's just having this adapt. discussion? Um, there's a Dutch fellow, uh, Rog Rogemer, who uh, is in Australia at the moment. He's down in, uh, in New South Wales. And he's suggesting that we begin to emulate some of the Dutch ideas where we think about adapting in place. So that may mean that we have buildings on pontoons that would rise as the floodwaters rise and then settle back down. You'd reckon um, the Dutch would know a thing or two about this think sort so, of stuff. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, and they're, they're going to be particularly hard hit by climate change and sea level rise, so they're thinking about this stuff. But that's a lot of money, right? When you start to weigh up retrofitting a built environment versus moving away, some of those costs might be around about the same in terms of economic costs. So Interesting too when you think about, uh, I suppose, a stronger desire to retrofit your home or renovate your home rather than to build a new one. Yeah. That, that the, the, the balance is tilted one way ahead of the other, isn't it? And it makes sense. You know, in planning we call this place attachment. So you just think about your your place where you live and our listeners could do exactly the same experiment right now think about the things they love about where they live the shops nearby mm. or the, the big tree in the front yard or the local school the friendship networks they have now this isn't just a matter of moving a building it's about losing all of those we call them social capital forms of connection that you might have in a community so that again that makes it kind of trickier and people oftentimes don't want to lose that um, it may mean that we fork out a bit more to adapt our houses, change the roof structure so it can resist higher wind loads. Or... I'm wincing because I live on a slab of concrete yeah. primarily. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, some some we can withstand, some we can't. Mm. Um, and then there's, a, there's quite a long list of natural hazards that the Gold Coast is potentially exposed to. It's not just flooding. Um, it reads like a kind of B-grade disaster movie. Oh, give us the list. Go <laughs> um, on. So these include severe storms like thunderstorms uh, and we're going to get more of those in the future. The ones that went through Sydney earlier this year cost about $170 million in damage. So you know, that's a pretty big hit. 
Yeah. Uh, we're going to see more of that here. Um, heat waves, we've talked about that on the urban squeeze before. They're mm. going to get worse. Uh, bushfires, landslides, cyclones like Debbie. We can probably, in, in 1954, we had a direct hit from a cyclone. We can probably expect a bit more of that in future as well. Um, earthquakes. Bowen earlier this year had a 5.8 earthquake. We don't think of ourselves as earthquake prone here in Um, Australia generally. And we're generally pretty seismically stable compared to other parts of the world like Japan or New Zealand, but they do happen from time to time. Um, Pretty rare on the Gold Coast, though. Uh, Even things like tsunamis, right? And they're very rare, but it's, it's a possibility. So I think in planning we need to consider what's more likely to happen, what's the risk, what's the near risk, and begin to start to consider how we might adapt our settlements to cope with that. Do councils at a local level, because they're often front line with these things, they say yay or nay to what gets planned and what gets put up, Uh, are they thinking and planning with this stuff in mind now? They are. Mm. So, uh, like I mentioned before, you can go onto the Gold Coast City Council's Town Planning Scheme uh, page and have a look. There's bushfire overlays. So places like Burley, and it makes sense again. You think about a steep slope there, very heavily vegetated. You you just observed before how we seem to be getting summers that are hotter and drier than they have been in the past. It's not unforeseeable to see a bushfire could break out in somewhere like Burley. And there's a there's a hazard overlay over the top that already shows that there's some risk in places like Burley. And that mapping's been done for the rest of the Gold Coast. Mm. Um, flooding is, is an obvious one. Then things like landslides. Um, uh, if you consider places like Miami with the Miami Hill past the uh, high school there, council's retrofitting that hillside right now to try and stabilise mm. it. Um, even things like uh, severe thunderstorms. Um, it's possible to begin considering how we might adjust our building codes so that things that get built from here on in are adapted to higher wind speeds. And, you know, we, we worry about cyclones, but if we get a large supercell from a severe thunderstorm and a mini tornado develops, which can happen, and it has happened here in the past, we're talking wind speeds of 400 kilometres an hour plus. It's you know, all very calamitous, that's isn't insane, it, this right. kind of thing? Um, but we're not trying to strike the fear of, oh, no, no, of, of whatever into people, but the, the, the idea is that planning works in and around these sorts of concepts. Right. Um, and... It's a question of whether or not we're actually doing anything about it. Right. And we are. And we are. So uh, you can even just look at the sand bypass facility that's been set up on the coast. That was in response to some very severe storm events that came through in the late 50s, early 60s on the Gold Coast. And um, when the seaway was stabilised, we set up a sand bypass system so that we can move sand along that shoreline. We can pump it. And that's that's an adaptive measure that means we can stabilise that coastline a bit better Mm -hmm. um, and give us some buffer against severe storm events. Uh, Even things like the desalination plant, you might not think about that as an adaptive measure, but um, during the floods recently, uh, some of our water supplies got contaminated. I mean, you can imagine things that might run off hillsides, dead animals, um, sewerage when the pump stations fail, uh, even chemicals from chemical storage yards, that kind of stuff. They can land up in water supplies. Um, or even just turbid water. You don't want to turn on the tap and have high turbidity, lots of silt, suspended silt. So they switched on the desal plant for a while there and um, and that gave us a reliable, clean water supply. Hmm, there you go. Um, so there's another adaptive response you might not immediately think of. Mm. What about uh, r- responses? I mean, we can adapt. What about responses? Are we learning from what we experience to make our response 
to uh, well disasters like what have been experienced here in the last few weeks, uh, flood-related, whatever it is, are our responses improving with time? Each time do we learn? Yeah, I think we could safely say that our um, state emergency service, uh, the SES, and our fire and, and emergency services are among the best in the world. We've got very rapid response. <laughs> Well-practised, so, perhaps. Very well-practised, mm. yeah. So you can think about the images we saw of that house getting uh, washed away uh, next to the, the river on the northern Gold Coast there. They were rescued, right? And that happened because we've got a really good emergency service response. Um, the same with, with uh, adapting to floods. The, the question, I guess, is whether we think about the kinds of developments we allow in certain places and whether we put in measures for that. So there was an interesting one recently that went through the Gold Coast City Council out near Emerald Lakes. Um, they approved a development on the floodplain. Now, we know that we've increased the height of the Hins Dam, so that gives us some buffer. Mm. But that dam recently was at 127% capacity, so it just around another severe rain event, that's not going to help. Uh, so in the planning approvals there, they included things like having lifeboats on the... Uh, on the site and a helicopter landing pad and supplies of food available, this kind of stuff. Um, that's so part of the plan. Of the approval. Yeah, and that really? may seem a bit extreme, but again, you think about it, that makes sense, right? It's just making sure we have the, the necessary measures in place to get to people if we need to, if, if such an event might happen. Remarkable. There you go. Mm. Out by chopper. Perhaps. 91.7 ABC Gold Coast. Uh, Associate Professor Jason Byrne with me. The Urban Squeeze is the segment talking, talking about the role of urban planning in a city like ours, uh, sp specifically today in and around the idea of natural hazards of which we are experiencing, even some now. A little bit of rain falling at Mermaid Beach. Uh, rain is something we're getting a little sick of, Jace, it's fair to say, in, in recent times. Um, planners. What's your role here? What, what are you doing? Yeah, so we've talked about some of the overlays before. Mm. Um, building codes are another one where we might change those building codes for the kind of glass that might be put on a building in future to increase its thickness uh, or a, a kind of double glazing with an insulation layer in between so that uh, the buildings are not as hot. Uh, but there's even things like a website that I'd encourage listeners to have a look at called Harden Up. Um, H-A-R-D-E-N-U-P, Harden Up, mm. by Green Cross Australia. And you can go on there and type in your postcode for the Gold Coast and it will tell you of the last 125 years of weather records what kinds of things have affected your suburb. Seriously. Which is pretty amazing. Yeah. And then the second thing it will tell you is how you might adjust your own dwelling to cope with that. Uh, so whether you need to clean out your gutters or check your roof, the material that it's made out of, the windows, um, securing trampolines, those kind of things. Uh, so we can start at the local scale. Another element of planning is what we call social planning. And what this is about is not so much a response to the hazard event, but building up a resilience in the community. So getting to know your neighbours, getting to know people who live nearby, the old couple at the road who are living up by themselves, mm. You know, maybe in a heat wave, you go and knock on the door and check if you're OK, do you need something from the supermarket, this kind of stuff. Mm. So if we build that what we call social capital and that stronger resilience by getting a, um, a more robust, friendly 
community that know each other. It's fascinating you say this because some of the the real life stories that came out of the two valleys at our south specifically that I was was witness to a couple of the yarns there without that sort of social infrastructure if you like, people would have been in all sorts. Um, You know, door knocking to make sure people were awake when the worst of the rain was on the way. Exactly. Um, That kind of thing and to be perfectly frank it probably saved a few lives and I'm not being overly dramatic here some of the yarns I'm hearing from at Currumbin Valley and Talabudra Valley specifically yeah and and there's stuff from Tweed as well mm, and mm. I've read those same things and I think you're not being overly dramatic I think that you know the the SES has its place but it it can't replace having a robust friendly community where people are looking out for each other you know the old Australian tradition of mateship Mm. and if you look at Lismore um, there's an example there where someone set up a Facebook page and said look there's a lot of people hurting here have you got food donations do you have some uh, spare clothes that we could donate blankets that kind of stuff and that's really helped people to get back on their feet there's been a lot of that hasn't there and more so this time than any that I can remember people literally putting their hand up and saying I will be the hub yep Come, I've come warehouse, I'll come figure it out. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and we saw that with the Brisbane floods as well. People looking after each other a bit more and checking on neighbours and making sure people weren't stuck in in a situation where they couldn't get their kids from school. This kind of stuff. Interesting to see that grassroots evolution of response too. It's probably perhaps subconsciously encouraged by even us here at the the public broadcaster, television, the the way campaigns are worked by different levels or different tiers of government. But it finds a way to get a message through eventually. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, planning plays a role in here because we have uh, social planners who encourage these kinds of neighbourhood events. You might not think about it, but movies in the park, for example. Mm. You're taking your kids down the park, you're going to sing a movie, you're interacting with other people, getting to know other people. That builds a strong network. Even stuff like community gardens, right, can play a major role in building that better social interaction and, and support between people. So whoever thought we'd be marrying up natural hazards to movies in the park, Jason right. Byrne? We always take interesting places, don't we, <laughs> Indeed. Thanks for dropping by again today. Good to see you. You're very welcome. Good to see you too. Associate Professor Jason Byrne, Urban Planner with the School of Environment at Griffith University. Uh, that's the Urban Squeeze for another week.